two, knock it out. one. Like Bryce Harper. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome back to Down to Watch. This is the Throwback Thursday edition. We're doing the 20, is it 20th or? It's 20 years yeah, now. 20th anniversary of Clueless. 20th, yeah. I wish Clarence was here because he sent us emails, what, six months ago about this shit? Really? He was, like, anticipating it? Yeah, he oh. kept saying, he's like, we have to do Clueless because the 20th anniversary is in July. And everybody's like, all is right, Is he going to buy the Criterion Collection version? <laughs> well, Criterion's Dan. He has everything that Criterion puts out, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he already has that. It's going to be funny to see a Criterion logo on this box. Yeah, that, wow. They should do that. It I makes me wonder... About their standards. No, they will because this is this is right up their alley. They pick culturally significant films. Uh, okay, I guess it is culturally significant. Yeah, I'll yeah, give you that. I I'll can give you see that. that. I can see that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Where do we start on this? Because there's so many points you could jump into this movie. There's so many things they bring up, and I don't know. Should we should we start with the '90s? That's a major theme here. Yeah, I guess we could start there. Talk about how accurate yeah. it was in some areas and how it exaggerated what actually went on in others. Ugh, that's going to be hard for, I think, me to talk. <laughs> well, you don't remember the 90s with that much clarity? Yeah, we were little kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, the thing is, I don't, I don't even know L.A. In the, in, the, in the 90s. Because I remember one line that the father says was, everywhere in L.A. takes 20 minutes. Right. Well, the rule is an know. hour. It's How about that? But there's like this old saying. Like, I, I feel like it takes L, it takes it takes someone to get around LA maybe about two hours. No, no. <laughs> I mean traffic is a hundred times worse than it was back then. Yeah, because I don't remember yeah. the traffic being like it is now. Also, he's saying that in proximity to Beverly Hills, he's thinking of LA proper. Yeah, he wasn't considering the valley, and that was kind of uh, the joke. Is that well, she no was in the valley. <laughs> And he didn't know that, so she couldn't tell him where she was, and that was going to be the reason it would take longer than 20 minutes. Because it's like the valley to people uh, in L.A. is like a trash dump where pornos are made. Right. And they're supposed to be in oh. Sunland, but they actually shot it in a couple different places that weren't Sunland. Yeah. I think the house is in Reseda, and I know for a fact that she's mugged in North Hollywood at the Circus Liquor. That's pretty realistic. Yeah, North Hollywood's closer to Sunland, but still not Sunland. <laughs> But yeah, I mean the valley is like this horrible well, for, place. For someone who's not from there, it all it, yeah, it it's all believable. <laughs> it all looked exactly yeah. like L.A., right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like Valley Talk still existed when I was in middle school. Valley Talk still exists now. Yeah, it's just not you know quite like oh Becky, look at her butt. Like you know what the rest <laughs> of the world thinks it is. But you know, is hey, that an actual like? Um, that's a like, Sir Mix-a-Lot like song. A, it's a what? Sir Mix-a-Lot song. Yeah, it's the beginning of uh, "Baby Got Back." Yeah, the two girls are having like a prototypical Valley Speak conversation. Uh, okay, I remember. That's like what films like Valley Girl in the '80s, you know, solidified as Valley Speech. But Valley Speech is a real thing. I mean, Californians do talk weird to the rest of the country. We talk proper. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I think today I'm slightly though, biased. <laughs> today if you go if you go to see like campuses like CSUN up in the valley, you'll hear the kids speak differently. 
There definitely is a valley jargon. Yeah, I'll give you that. Because the valley isn't really considered part exactly of LA. Like that? No, because no. it's it's evolved. Okay. Well, it used to be faster too. Like valley talk when I was younger, I remember it used to be like really really fast. Yeah, I'll agree. They speak slower now. Yeah, it's like kids are. Mike, Michael, yeah. Could yeah. You give us a demonstration. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it is an art to be able to understand Valley, <laughs> but yeah, being it's... able to practice it is a little too much for a guy who's traveled the world like myself. It's pretty <laughs> tough. I think to get into character, to get into character as a Valley girl, I always start with what? <laughs> because we all speak too quickly for them. And if you use anything that's, you know, more than monosyllabic, they don't comprehend what you're saying. So it always is what? But yeah, like, I I feel like the way she, like, the way she used her mouth and the way she, like, stick her head out and talk, that's what I remember Valley Girl, like, being. It was a very, like, forceful kind of speech. Yeah, Alicia Silverstone really does jump into kind of, like, the whole physicality of the role. Yeah. I do like that about her like character. Like, Stacey Dash isn't really doing true Valley, from what I remember. But Alicia Silverstone, she's mm-hmm. she's nailing it. At least the hyper-reality version of it. She's nailing it. Speaking well, of... Well, the, uh, the, the bulk of this film doesn't really take place in the Valley, right? No. Well, it's in Beverly Hills. No, it doesn't. But I think Beverly Hills was... So, why... I think Beverly Hills was like what Valley Girls aspired to be. Yeah, that was like they the wanted central to be hub. Shopping, you know, on Melrose and clubbing down and sun, on Sunset and mm-hmm. and even today, kids in the Valley, you know, they drive down Coldwater Canyon to go to Hollywood well, because they have the to. Because there's no fucking freeways in the Valley. It's a horrible, <laughs> horrible place. Like the city planners were like, "Who would go there? Fuck putting freeways over there, fucking Valley." Well, you realize it was all farmland, you know, sixty years ago. Yeah, so it was Pasadena. <laughs> and they put freeways there. Every freeway that is in L.A. connects to Pasadena. But in the valley, they're just like, nah, no one's going to come over here. <laughs> I wonder what school they shot all these high school scenes at, because it's obviously not a high school. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, I wonder what, what campus they went to. Looks like a, like a, a religious college, or if I had to guess. Wow, I just realized uh, since Dan's not here, we have no research monkey. Oh. You and him usually are the ones who look up everything. Yeah, I'm lazy today. Usually so, he is, right? Yeah. Mr. Fact Checker. I don't look up anything. But so. on on the subject of, of accents and like regional dialects, did anybody else notice the abundancy of New Yorkers in this film? There were. Like your dad talks like a New Yorker. There there were. Her driving instructor yeah, talks like a New Yorker. Was the first one. Her driving instructor is definitely a New Yorker, and the guy that mugs her is a New Yorker. That's believable. <laughs> <laughs> when have you ever met like a derelict New Yorker in the valley who's robbed you at gunpoint? This isn't reality. Having lived in New York for four years, it was believable. <laughs> I can totally see that too. So, since we're watching this right now, and again, talking and I are like way too young, you're going to have to answer this, Mike. Mm-hmm. Is this how people dressed during this time? Oh, absolutely not. I think the the fashion and wardrobe department had way too much fun on the script. Okay. I mean, it's like they watched music videos and took some of the ideas from background dancers, some of the wardrobe from background dancers. Okay, so that is what I like. Thought That's an it influence. Like. Yeah, okay. it's definitely influenced uh-huh. by like rap music videos and background dancers. What? 
Are you talking about like the the, what the girls' the fashion characters generally wore? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, all wearing. Say, like, they look like very like high fashion kind of uh, very modely things. Like you, fly girls. They look like fly girls that. from *A Living Color*. Went into the closet of like exactly. high fashion and then played dress up. <laughs> yeah. Especially this PE scene we're watching right now. They completely look like fly girls. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, totally. Like, if they broke out right now, they're like, you could do what you... I'd be like, yep. The part of this yep. that is that is accurate, though, is that the uh, the stronghold that black culture had on white teens, that's very 90s. Isn't um, that still today? I, I think it's evolved, too. I've, I've... But, yeah, these, these white teens, you know, thinking that rap and, um, like, that sort of fashion is in vogue is very accurate. I think the I heard or I heard that the the person I forget who the person did the wardrobe for this um, inspired a lot of other wardrobe people to make t- in their teen movies, and she actually was a trendsetter, which is unfortunate because I think mm. this kind of hyper reality is distracting and kitschy. It's not really see that that has to be like a big difference between like you know Generation X and Generation Y because Generation X actually know what the '90s look like. Generation Y, we're all just kind of like, I guess this is what it looked like. Well, so, yeah, it's because like I didn't even yeah. notice that. Like the clothing to me, I was like, yeah, maybe this is what it really. Well, it's like. the difference between seen in Madonna's being videos. Ten when this came out and being eighteen. You know, yeah. you're gonna remember more when you're eighteen. Well, no, that's what I'm saying yeah. though. Like when you yeah. brought up like backup dancers and stuff. Like while I was watching this, I was like, yeah, this looks realistic because like Madonna videos and stuff that I remember <laughs> like that. That's what I saw, and it felt right. You no, know, they but, look like they're from a Janet Jackson video, not a Madonna video. Yeah. Rhythm Nation all the way. <laughs> <laughs> the self-titled Well, Janet. I feel like the girls are. The guys, I don't know what the fuck they're wearing. Well, they're exaggerating the pants sagging thing a little bit. That was pretty funny. <laughs> guys didn't actually uh, the start... The funny thing is I do remember a lot of that also in the 90s. Oh, pants sagging was definitely in, but they didn't lower yeah. it to the knees until like New Millennia. That happened, yeah. that happened like 10 years later after this movie. It was a little saggy, Fucking but not down Rocky. to their friggin' knees. <laughs> I think it's well, saggy funny. and also like tie dye shirts was a big thing, also. Oh yeah, what? well yeah, there was there was like yeah. a, a hippie revival in the nineties and flannel. Flannel was so they big. brought back bell bottoms, they brought back tie dye. Oh, God, sandals, so sandals, like yeah. And speaking dudes. of flannel and sandals, they always have um, Todd Birkenstock, which I think is an ironic last name. I don't think he's supposed to be of the Birkenstock family. Um, in flannel. They always have him in flannel. Huh. Because he's supposed to look like he's from Seattle, right? Right. He's supposed to be grungy yeah. because he's, uh, uh, what do they call him, a wasteoid? He gets high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is, okay, so this is off the what we're talking about right now, but I have to ask before I forget. Is he supposed to have gone to rehab for weed at the end of the movie? I don't know. No. Yeah, that's right. He's on like a 12-step Wait, program. He's, he's like, I'm in a 12-step program. It is program. weed. You're right, because he gives up his yeah. bong. So yeah. it's got to be. Wow, that's, wow. I guess only the rich Talk kids. Talk about things they got wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess because he's a rich Beverly Hills kid, uh, they could make an exception and send him to like some rehab center in Malibu <laughs> for his weed addiction. <laughs> wow. Weed addiction. All right. That's weird. What are we going to talk about next? Because there's so many things. Like, I, I can't even pinpoint. Like, I have favorite quotes. I have so much. That <laughs> let's talk about characters. I haven't even thought about then. favorite quotes, but. Let's, okay, t- let's talk characters. about characters, and we'll start with characters. What does everybody think of Cher? 
I would say she's pretty believable because, again, I was like in middle school, you know, elementary school in the 90s, but I was in this type of area. So the girls kind of were like this from what I remember, you know? And like Valley was super big at my private school, so like the Valley lingo. The Valley speak. Yeah. Mm. Talk, what do you think of her as a protagonist? Um It's it's kind of funny that that Michael thinks that I mean he he remembers that they were like this. I kind of see it as when I was growing up, a lot of girls wanted to be like them, like Cher, girls yeah. like Cher and Dion, especially like kind of tight knit sort of click. Right. I remember, I remember in elementary school, there was a lot of girls who looked up to them actually. Um, I guess because they saw her as like a fairly independent young woman Yeah. and she's pretty headstrong. Uh, she's pretty idealistic also. So there were a lot of girls who were kind of running around school uh, like emulating share. Oh yeah, um, I've seen that too. I, I just I remember that being that. I, that's like the, the biggest memory. Just you know, growing up on this film, a lot of girls uh, in my schools were always talking about this movie in in such high regards and looking up to the the main characters. Oh, I agree completely. I think she became this character ended up becoming an icon. Oh, for sure, to our generation. Yeah, and I oh, also uh, agree with your saying about. Um, her ideal, her being idealistic. I think she's also an idealized teenager mm-hmm. because she's so together and, you know, learned and underestimated. I think that's a big part of her characters. We're, we're supposed to be think that she's, she's vapid and dumb, but she's actually not, which is an idealized version of what a 16 year old would actually be. Yeah. But I feel like mm-hmm. they try to push it down her throats so that that's because of her father. Right. Who she's clearly close to. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not too big of a stretch. Girls who grow up in wealthy families do get a lot of culture. That's true. Whether they want it or not. I I could see that. You know, they end up going to see Shakespeare in the summertime, and they've probably been to an opera or two. Operas are so boring. Oh, sorry. Off topic. Yeah. So, and and they, they also generally all go on at least two Europe trips before they're of drinking age. You know, there's there's one that's either like the family I vacation, both of mine, or then there's like the you graduated high school, go to Europe, here's your <laughs> reward one. Do either of you do the after high or well, middle school, high school Europe trip? No, I'm not. I didn't grow no. up as rich as Cher. No. Well, at my school, like all my friends went in middle school, and I had to turn it down for sports because I was in traveling leagues. So it was like, go to Europe or, you know, continue playing sports. And my dad was like, nah, play the sports. And then in high school, the debate team or something, I think it was debate, they went to Europe and I didn't go again because of sports. But that's when I cared about sports more. So That sucks. I went in college though, so I guess it worked out. (laughs) But yeah, Cher is definitely an influential character and young girls connected with her. One thing that stands out to me about this movie that you don't see again is that the popular click in it is very altruistic. They go out and they help and they like care about community. What it's just like the pre mean girls archetype where I see that didn't that, come off as yeah, weird to me. Well, since this film, most popular pretty girls have been portrayed as mean and catty in film. 
Okay, yeah. No, no, I was talking about like as a real yeah. life type thing. It didn't bother me. But when you're talking about in movies, yeah, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, because this, this got Hollywood interested in teen films again. A bunch of teen films came out in the 90s. You know, most of them pale in comparison to this one. But the market got saturated. You did last summer. Yeah, and she's all that and yeah. all of that. Oh, yeah. Sure. There were so many that it, it, it spawned uh, uh, a joke film, you know, not another teen movie. The whole yeah. genre got satirized or satirized. Satirized, yeah. Yeah, you could say this was the first big 90s, like, teen film. Yeah. Since, I don't know what was the, I guess, the, what was Breakfast the last Club? one in the 80s, but. The, right. What was that? Breakfast Club. It's sort of like the Breakfast Club, the way that the John Hughes films captured teenage angst and and energy in the 80s. This did the same thing in the 90s. Right. And I'm not sure why. um, Yeah, it kind of, it kind of. I'm not sure, sure why pretty girls got portrayed as mean from here on. I mean, I guess a few people who were writers grew up and had some bad experiences or felt like they were excluded from certain cliques. And decided to demonize. Mm-hmm. Well, the same with cheerleaders. Like cheerleaders became the most hated thing. And look in... at all the te- cheerleader movies. God, there were so many bring it ons. Yeah, but they were always evil. You know, right? Yeah. And this yeah, film, they're always really, antagonistic. There's really no one evil in this film. The one, the one jock guy, uh, the rapist boyfriend, guy. Luke was his name, isn't it? Luke uh, uh, Evan. I don't remember. Elton? Elton. There you go. <laughs> Elton is narcissistic and shallow, but there's no one that's, like, outright evil in this script. I don't know. He left a girl in the middle of... <laughs> yeah, that was a dick move. <laughs> Valley. That was a dick move for sure, but he's not, like, the evil antagonist of the script. Yeah. And he does listen yeah, to the Cranberries, so... Yeah, I would say this so... is the kind of film that has, like, one sole antagonistic evil guy. Yeah, it's more like evil a guy that... is evil. The main character has to overcome or something. Major. Oh, shit. No, everyone in this school is something pretty happens. much helpful yeah. and nice. It <laughs> seems like they have a kind of utopian community going on, even even with the the, the different cliques. Which is weird. Yeah, it's, it's idealistic again. It's not really true to reality. Yeah. Oh, and talk. I was distracted by a pager. I forgot what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> Pagers and totally. the cell I forgot phones. That those things ever existed. The cell phones that you had to pull the antenna out, like it really helped. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get four inches of antenna. <laughs> I had a phone like that in high school. Oh man! I think I, mean, my... I didn't have a cell phone since until like uh, I think late high school. I had one my freshman year, but I had to pay my own bill, which was annoying. <laughs> God, they put Stacy Dash in another awful hair extensions. She's got a bunch of bad hair extensions in this. I never noticed that before. You know, I can't really notice bad ones or or good ones. Well, the one she's wearing there at the Valley Party scene, the one she's wearing has like purple <laughs> it is hairs it is weaved into it. Like well, she has braids. Oh, it's not okay. really a weave. It's completely different. Well, it's extensions. She probably, when filming this, had very short hair. And the crazy thing is, like, Stacey Dash, I've seen her with her hair not natural, and it's not, I don't know. I guess they just wanted her to have braids for effect. I blame the wardrobe again. They really went over the top in this film. Yeah, well, it's, obviously they didn't know what to do with the minority characters. <laughs> 
They're like, so we're going to dress all the white <laughs> girls like they're black girls. What are we going to do with the one black girl? Uh, make her look like she's always had a private school of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's wearing a uniform she's like a all uniform the time. The whole movie, <laughs> it's just different colors. <laughs> Ridiculous. So we all like Cher. What about what about the romance? What about um, Josh? How do we feel about Josh? We're gonna jump to Josh. All right. Um, I, I, well, his character wow, is Josh. is quite confusing. He's another archetype. Yes and no. The existential college freshman type. Yeah. Well, he's not a freshman. Remember, he's about to graduate. He's trying to pick a grad. I can see that. Is he trying to graduate? Yeah, they're talking about his his stepfather is telling him to pick at this grad school or something. Oh, I remember, remember that. Grad schools. I just know he's going through like an identity crisis, and mm-hmm. he he um, presents his wealth. You can tell he dresses down. He wants to be an everyman. Well, he's man. not. He's not rich though, is he? His mom rich? Well, his. Dad is his, his stepdad. I, his, that's not I don't know. It kind of it kind of seemed like because his car is a piece of shit. It kind of seemed like there was a, <laughs> like they suggested that he was okay. It's actually not. It's what would have been a brand new Honda Civic at the time. He has a '95 Civic hatch, so it was a new car. Oh wow! You just are thinking about it in 2015 <laughs> settings. Yeah. And I assume that stepdad is who paid for his education. I don't think he went to UCLA. Without his dad's help. Yeah. And I wouldn't presume that his dad would date below his station, so I don't think his mom was poor. Mm, But I feel like she might have been, like, a pro bono lawyer or something. But still, if he grew up in Beverly Hills, he wasn't poor. We don't know that. They never say where he grew up, because remember, he grew up with the mom. And remember, he has to go out of town to get to the mom. Wherever she's at. Because remember, she calls and he's like, oh, she wants me to visit for the holidays, but I don't want to fly out there. And yeah. I was like, oh, I do where remember the fuck that. does mom live? And he supposedly has a place in Brentwood near campus, but we never see it. We see him drop off that girlfriend. But she's on campus. Yeah, she's on campus. Yeah. I don't know. So he he's another archetype, but um, I only bring him up because I think the romance is a central theme here. And I know from talking to you guys earlier that you guys both took issue with one aspect of the romance. I wanted to save that for the end, but... (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things to talk about in this film. Um, So, I guess we'll bring it up. I've seen this movie many a times, but I never, I guess, paid attention at the very end. And this morning when I rewatched it, because we were supposed to record this two weeks ago and I watched it, but I didn't finish it because I was like, I remember the ending. There's like some stupid wedding, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. It's not the point of the movie. But this morning I was watching it and I was just like being lazy in bed. And I watched it all the way to the credits start. Right before the credits start, she has this line where she goes, where she says she's 16. And I think in every viewing I've ever had of this, I never thought she was 16. In my mind, she's always, like, 18, maybe yeah. 17 going on 18, but she wasn't 16. Because, like, he's obviously 21, 22. And I just... Well, I mean, they never say how old he is. Well, he's about to graduate college, so he's... Unless he's a super genius, he has to be 21, 22. Yeah, we're, we're assuming, though. We're stretching here. Like, you never see him show an ID at a bar, or they never say in the dialogue specifically how old he is. But sure, he's older. Yeah. Well, I, he's old just because he's in college. Right. And also, I think Paul Rudd being older. I kind of want to say that just because of 
just how he comes off his character, he seems mature enough to be over at, at least 21. Oh, yeah. I think he behaves more maturely than a 21 year old, even. And I bet Paul Rudd was in his late 20s when they shot this, so he really comes across like an older guy. Probably, yeah. For sure. But. I contribute to it. But yeah, again, he's an idealized 21 year old. No 21 year old is as calm and wise and polite as he is. I was pretty polite. Because <laughs> freshman year, I tried to drink my life away, so then I sobered up and got my head on straight. Right, but we never see Josh <laughs> engaged in any of this. He doesn't party or overdo it. If he helps his stepdad on his on his summer vacation, you know, he helps him with law stuff. He's, it was spring vacation. Was it spring break? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's very he's a very um, calm and mature and helpful kid. But anyway, you guys you guys thought it was weird that sixteen um, year old. Um, well, it's, Cher it's not would, just weird. Would it's fall illegal. for Josh. <laughs> It's not the that's not the part that makes it weird. I I mean that's realistic. I'm sure there's lots of 16 year olds who think, you know, Johnny Depp or Johnny Tatum or whoever. Yeah, and Johnny Depp's 15. <laughs> exactly. So that's not the problem. It's the yeah. fact that they're clearly dating, and not only that, that the dad is like the whole movie, like yeah, yeah, you guys should hook up. Like those are the things that make it weird. So you think it's saying a bad message. It's almost like – it almost has a Terminator's vibe. The, or not Terminator, Transformers, whatever the last one was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. never saw it, but like – Where they read the Romeo and yeah. Juliet law yeah. <laughs> in the script. And like I, I never saw the movie, but I kept hearing about that. And then uh, when – it was either CinemaSins or Honest Trailers, whatever, they go in on it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is quite awkward to just throw into a movie. Yeah. But I think that um – Michael Bay was trolling us when he did that. I don't think he's actually advocating 21-year-olds dating 16-year-olds. And I'm not sure this film is either. But I guess you could make an argument that it had a big influence on a whole generation, and maybe that's why we we see 16 and Pregnant becoming a TV phenomenon in later years. You mean that's why MTV became a TV phenomenon? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this wasn't an MTV <laughs> Films, but it sure struck me as something that could have been. Yeah. It's the kind of thing they would have been happy to produce. Yeah, if they had yeah. better funding right. at that time. But, yeah. Yeah, they weren't quite there yet. And 95 is when this came out, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 95. They had, like, just started, like, 89 or something, yeah. right? MTV itself or MTV Films? MTV itself. No, it's early 80s. Oh, it's early it's, 80s? It's, like, 82 or 81 when they had their first broadcast and played Video Killed the Radio Star, I think, was their first video. Okay. But, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, that, that, that just totally changed... Broke, uh... Yeah. I don't know. Finding out her age just changed, like, my whole perspective on the whole thing. Because you, you said you were more disturbed at the fact that they were brother and sister, which... No, I think it's funny that that gets glossed over well, and no one takes issue with it. Sister. Exactly. The whole See? step part is the part See, that everyone, everyone always jumps to, to clarify, no, they're stepbrother and sister, because it doesn't weird them out somehow. It's, it's immediately accepted. Because that's not as weird as... I would disagree. I think it's, it's less common. I think 16-year-olds and 21-year-olds looking up is more common than stepbrother and sister dating. Wow, I'm sorry. You said you said it's more common that that a 21 year old would date a high schooler than step siblings actually dating. I don't think that happens as often. 
I agree that that's more than likely the case, but between the two, I think I'm slightly more disturbed by the 21, 22-year-old dating a 16-year-old. But somehow this movie sells it like it's charming and the audience accepts it. You know, well, because you don't know how old she is. Well, Cher like, is mature. Your age. Cher is mature for 16. <laughs> and Alicia Silverstone at the time, I'm sure, wasn't 16. So we're seeing a woman who's not actually, you know, 16. Yeah. Makes it more viable, more palatable. Okay, well, yeah, hold on. You just brought up something. You, you kind of don't think that way about her. Like, you don't, you don't see her as like No, a, she doesn't behave like a 16-year-old. Yeah. So I think in that way, that kind of helped the audience sort of... Right, right. Here's the New York murder robbing her in, in North Hollywood. New York, so she's 38 now, so she was 18 when she made this. Okay, so she was, she was legal when she made this. Which, I'm surprised they don't exploit that fact. Like, she doesn't do a lot of kissing scenes or anything like that in this film. It's very innocent. There's no Holy sex. Crap. Her character, in fact, is a virgin up until the end. You guys... Stacey Dash was 28 when she made this film. Wow. She looks incredible. (laughs) Oh, my God. She looks so good. How old was Paul Rudd? So much when I was little. Holy crap. That just blew my friggin' mind. Um, Paul Rudd was 26. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Donald Faison was 21. Can we just talk about what a dreamboat Paul Rudd is, though, for a second? I like him as a romantic leading man in anything. It doesn't matter what you put him in. This, I don't know what part you're on right now. Are you um, on the part where she's calling yeah. Josh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're at the same point. Didn't uh, we time dude, it up together? I thought it was really weird that the scene where Elton is is like um, like forcing himself onto Cher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's like saying, come on, come on, and trying to kiss her and shit, and he leaves her. Yeah. And then, and then when she's calling Josh... The line, like the the first line you hear him say to his girlfriend is "Come on," and it seems like I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know why. That's kinda, right. That's an interesting. I kind of connect cut, isn't it? The two parts where the where Elton's like kind of forcing himself onto the, onto Cher, and then we we kind of catch this little moment with Josh and his girlfriend in the room, just as she's just as Cher is calling, and he's kind of. It seems like he's doing the same thing to his girlfriend. Well, I thought there was. I felt like. Odd. That is. Odd. I didn't take it that way because I felt like he's saying, "Come on, like you're annoying me more." Because it seemed like she was the aggressor in his version. Because like uh-huh. she was annoyed, like even that he answered the phone. I felt like he was more like, "Come on, give me a second, you know." Like I need to See, answer this. Like this could be Civic. important, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that's as soon as we see her in the car, she seems like she's like a nonstop. I'm going like to force like my opinion on you yeah. type of person. And the whole time Cher's sitting in the back just staring her down. Yeah. Like Cher doesn't yeah. like her at all. She's already in, like, girlfriend defensive mode before they even start becoming romantically involved. Well, remember, she's yeah. confused about it. Well, back to the issue of it being weird. I think she stays a virgin the entire story. Even when they're dating, it never comes out and says, hey, we're well, having that, sex now. Because they couldn't. That would have been too weird. <laughs> right. But, but Murray and, and uh, Ty come out and have sex in the no, script. No, Murray and Dion. And Dion, I mean. Yeah, and Dion. Ty was already a whore. <laughs> Aww. 
<laughs> We're not oh, passing any judgment New York. here. She's like from New York. They start them young. Wait, what does that have to do? Wait, whoa, what? She <laughs> has tattoos, smokes weed. Uh, Jeez. You start early? Yep. It's because your high schools are on top of each other. What, it's what you, weird. What do you think? You guys don't even have anywhere to play. I, 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 no, it's because she's from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to redirect that behavior. It's not New Yorkers. It's Jersey yeah. kids. It's these Jerseys. I, I, you're acting like just because she's from New York, she walked right off of the set of kids into this movie. I, she Didn't she? Did you not see the way like she's she a Larry Clark character? <laughs> when the, when she first is her first introduction scene, she looks like she just went on a binge, <laughs> and that they found her in a gutter, dropped her off at the school. No, I mean that is what they were trying to go with. You know, she she knows about coke, and she gets high. Yeah, she's and, pretty hip to the drug life. Yeah, yeah. they're definitely trying to push that. She probably bought most of her drugs in Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where well, all the drug in the deals mid-90s, went down. Uh, yeah, that's where all the drug deals went down <laughs> in the mid nineties. That's all no, I've no, ever no, been no, told no. while maybe I was in New York. Times Square, maybe not Times Square, but definitely in the red light district on Eighth Avenue. Yeah, <laughs> and in the yeah. Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen, you probably have some alleys and uh, some weird, uh, some weird street corners where you can, you know, find some stuff. Yeah, that was then. Now, good luck trying to rent a one bedroom in Hell's Kitchen. Well, yeah, because Giuliani uh, yeah. cleaned it up. Unless you're a baller. So, your, yeah. oh wait, who who did we just talk about? We talked about Josh. Let's talk about Ty for a second. I guess we're talking about her already. Yeah, it was a good segue into Ty. So, Stacy Dash was 28, playing a 16 year old, and we all believed it. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. we, we totally <laughs> I bought it. it too. I thought yeah. she was maybe 19. <laughs> Well, she's a gorgeous woman. I've she always thought beautiful. since I saw this movie that she's one of the prettiest screen <laughs> actresses I've ever seen. Yeah. Really I beautiful. Have to agree. And you didn't see her in too many films after. Well, I'll also say that throughout this whole movie, she always looks gorgeous. Whereas I feel like Cher has like off and on moments where they try to dollar up and then not dollar up and then dollar up. You know what part of that is? Is that at 28, she doesn't really deal with acne, whereas uh, Alicia Silverstone, they're covering up some spots here and there. Yeah. She's still a teenager when they shot this. And then uh, Brittany Murphy, like, she's roller coastering for me. Like, <laughs> there's moments where I'm like, yeah. And then there's other moments where I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, Christian just walked into her class. Here's another archetype they're giving us. That close-up was you know, super actually sexual. Fu- yeah. That, <laughs> uh, uh, obviously. What were you about to suggested. say? But I was going to say, just to continue talking about Ty, she was one of... Um, this is going to sound weird. She was the second of the actresses in this movie that I kind of crushed on. Yeah? You like I Brittany Murphy? In, yeah. That's interesting. I kind of did. Was, I kind of dug her. Was it her clueless sweetness? Um, I think it was a bit of her tomboyishness, actually. Hmm. Yeah, I, I had a thing for like kind like tomboyish girls. Yeah. In, in uh, middle school. I can see that. Not ones who were like, you know, super, super masculine, but um, girls who were still had like a fe- feminine charm. But a bit of, yeah, a bit of an aggressive side, and I, I guess you hung say. out with boys and maybe play sports with you. Yeah, and she she kind of she fit that. I think that's when it, I kind of molded that sort of um, 
liking for right. certain girls after after Ty's character. Right. Well, I think the the way that they're trying to personify the perfect high school boy in a gay man was a was a really hilarious prank they pulled on the audience. It was really Mr. funny. Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. joined the Rat Pack. <laughs> the funny thing is that... No, you stole my favorite line from me. <laughs> what's funny is that in high school, I literally wore like what he's wearing in this scene. I had slacks like that and a black shirt, and I'd even tuck it in sometimes. Oh, man, that's dangerous oh, wow. after this movie came out. So a lot of girls thought you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say I think a lot of girls in L.A. would have thought you were gay. Right. Well, that's where he grew up. <laughs> to, to, to me, well, the thing is that the thing is that for me, I I can't I I don't really get that idea from the way he dresses. I just think he's a well dressed guy. I don't I don't connect it to you know his sexual orientation. I thought it was his mannerisms right. well, that gave is... me that more. Okay, hold on, wait. Sorry, I have to cut you guys off. So you see her in the pink <laughs> in the back. Who's in the pink in the back? The the extra in the back yeah. for all the classroom scenes. Yeah. Isn't she like fifty? Yeah. Is she? I can't tell. <laughs> She's not in focus. Oh man. Okay, so pay attention. Like I didn't they bothered me the whole time I was watching this today. I was like, why is there this random fifty year old chick in the back of the classroom? Well, no one in this classroom is actually a teenager with like a few exceptions. Yeah, but she looks like She's someone's mom in the class. That's funny. Okay, sorry. Get back to what you guys are well, talking about. Well, back to what he's wearing. I think this is before the the um, the Metro movement. And guys taking interest in grooming and dressing well wasn't as normal as it is today. That is true. Because I remember Metro Sexual became a big thing when I was in high school. Yeah, we're looking at a cultural shift here. This is 20 yeah. years ago. And and yes, twenty years ago, yeah. if you were in high school and you didn't have saggy pants and a tie dye shirt, you could have been mistaken as kind of you know light in the britches. <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh, between you and Murray, I've heard like more that. random analogies for gay <laughs> than I think I ever would have in my life. Because I was watching that scene and I was like, "Do those all mean gay?" Because I don't understand half of that. He does say a fan of Barbara Streisand. I mean, what else would that make one, that clear? That one made sense, but some of the other ones, I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I guess that means gay. <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorite scenes because it's one of the two scenes that's hearkening to musicals. When she comes down the stairs, it's My Fair Lady. They even play the music from My Fair Lady. Oh, And wow. the underscore. Huh. Which I find interesting because you guys have heard, right, that the Broadway musical production of this is in the works. Mm, of Clueless? Clueless? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, in honor of the 20 years. But uh, I may have heard about it from you. <laughs> yeah, it's in the works right now. They're making a musical for Broadway, and it's going to be what's called a jukebox musical, so they're not writing the original songs for it. It's going to feature pop songs from the movie, most likely, and other loved 90s songs they can get the rights to. Oh, wow. But what do you think? I think this this film lends itself well to musicals. Particularly because Legally Blonde was such a successful musical, and Legally Blonde is a derivative of this, I always thought. Uh, how so? How do you... Well, they, they take a blonde... They take a perky, pretty blonde antagonist who's underestimated, and she spreads goodness throughout the script and everybody she meets. I think they're essentially the same movie. Mm, okay. 
I never saw the movie. You never seen Legally Blonde? Nah, never seen it. Yeah, it's very it's very much like Clueless, but, but for adults. I kind of always dug or appreciated films that had used or utilized um, like current like music from its time. Yeah. Or maybe not necessarily the time it was made, but the time where the film is set. Right. So this was one of them. Clueless is like one of those films that you know use a lot of '90s music, like. Absolutely. What's this band called? A ska band, Boss Tones. Yeah, the Boss Tones. Um, Mighty Mighty like Boss Tones. Them pretty, uh, like actually, they use them a few times in this film. I think in the credit scene, they use one of their songs. Definitely, they're playing music here in this. Uh, yeah, club absolutely. Scene. Another movie that I like that uses a lot of music from its t- from the time that the film is set in is uh, American Graffiti. It's another one. Well, that was actually the first one, you know. Lucas started this thing. It was something yeah, never done yeah, before I, I American think, Graffiti. I think, yeah, yeah. It's another moment where Lucas was being an innovator, that bastard. But yeah, this film has an interesting collage of songs from the 90s. Many... And also some 80s songs. It's not just a strictly 90s soundtrack. Like it's, It opens up with like We're the Kids of America, which is an 80s track. And it's interesting oh. that they're at a they're seeing the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones in L.A. in 95 because L.A. is definitely where the ska scene was heaviest. And even though short-lived, they would have been in, like, the headquarters of that movement at this time. It was... I thought it was more Pacific Northwest kind of thing. What do you mean? Like oh, ska, ska music? Seattle or... No, 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 it's very L.A., music yeah no grunge was uh, more of a specific northwest the ska movement was, was particularly yeah particularly big in la all the bands were getting big is, bands is it still a pretty big thing now no no that was short-lived uh, it's a niche thing now i think there was a lot of yeah, thought thrown into this this soundtrack though um the reason i say that is because little attention to detail like elton mentions in the first classroom scene when he raises his hand and wants to go to the bathroom or get a pass that he thinks he left his cranberry <laughs> CD. I think I left I my cranberry CD yeah. in the other classroom. I, I think I left my cranberry CD. <laughs> and then later, when he's on the date and he tries to date rape Cher, he's literally singing to the cranberries in his Camaro. That's right. I appreciate that sort of follow-through and attention to detail. Yeah. I, I never was a huge fan of the Cranberries, though. Oh, they're great. If you like mm. angsty um, British Irish rock, then I'm perfect. Politically charged. There, there's maybe one or two songs that pop up on my Pandora every once in a while by the Cranberries, which I don't mind. But yeah, like Zombie. I've I, uh, everybody likes Zombie. Damn, I can. No, I don't know. I don't think it was Zombie. I can't remember the damn name. Well, it doesn't matter. It's in, I'll be yeah. interested to see what songs they end up using in the musical version. Mm-hmm. How many from the film will make it in and how many they're going to just add? Because, you know, whenever they turn something into a musical, they're going to give it more songs than it needs. Than it, yeah. It's going to be song after song after song. I hope they don't use Counting Crows. Why? What's wrong? That's, I, I, they Counting use... Crows. Well, I, I don't know. I kind of have a... Uh, Mr. Yeah, Jones like is the jam. Bands. 
I don't like to admit that I actually listen to them sometimes. <laughs> Mr. Jones is my jam. <laughs> I noticed they were playing one song in one of the scenes. I can't remember which song. I think the scene was actually when Josh was driving Cher and Josh's girlfriend back to his girlfriend's dorm. No, actually, they what they're no, actually no? they're playing Radiohead in that scene because Radiohead "Fake Plastic Trees" uh-huh. is the love theme for the Cher and Josh. It's played in several scenes where they're together. It's the underscored love theme. Oh, and she well, comments so on it too. She, maybe I misheard, or or maybe I'm thinking of it completely different. It's definitely fake plastic trees, which I have a feeling won't make it into the Broadway version of this because they're probably not going to get the rights to it. Uh, why do you say that? I just I don't see Radiohead as the kind of band that's going to sell their rights to the music for a play or a musical. I'm just, you know, guessing here, but I don't think they're going to get it, which would mean that they have to replace their love theme with another pop song. I wonder what they'll go with. Sorry, I had to step out for a second. What did I miss? I was talking about the music. Oh. So. Music use in the film and what's going to make it into the musical. Cool, cool. Because you know when they make these jukebox musicals, the whole goal is to have the audience sing along the whole time. So they're gonna just, it's probably going to be yeah, like one they of have those... To, they have to consider have getting Katy like Perry Roar. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be like one of those now compilation CDs. Like, now that's what I call music, 96. <laughs> we'll be that whole playlist in here. And Jen Wires, who were just old enough to remember this movie but weren't teenagers yet when it came out, are going to go see this and get very nostalgic over how awesome 90s music was and leave whistling tunes and be happy. <laughs> how dare you insult my I still do. I still do that today, actually. Yeah. I still, I still listen to 90s music every once in a while. Like what? Um, well, we were just talking about Counting Crows. Foo Fighters from the 90s. I think he admitted that Counting Crows was a guilty pleasure of his. Yeah. Kill yourself. Come on, it's not like they're Matchbox what'd 20. Wait, what'd you say? You kill told me to kill myself? <laughs> it's not Matchbox 20. Counting Crows was good. Candy Crows, though, I, did, I feel like I had to be in a certain mood to listen to it. Uh-huh. It's not something I can just play at any time. Right. If I was feeling I particularly... I apologize, Talk. Nostalgic. Because I'm feeling like I the mood you probably were what? in... <laughs> involves killing yourself when you were listening to it. So, what a douche. Well, the funny thing is, like, I never listened Next to Next, you're going to say, like, Nickelback. 90s. It was only something I started listening to back in, like. Nickelback wasn't big in the 90s. Uh, 2005 or something. That's a new millennia thing. Nickelback? Yeah, they didn't have any hits in the 90s. Oh, God. What's something else we need to talk about about this that's big that we were arguing or talking about before we recorded? <laughs> I don't know. What were we talking about? I can't remember. Damn it. We really need to. I know we were record. talking about the the whole relationship between Josh and Cher. But, um, yeah. yeah. I, oh, I know what I wanted to bring up. Thing. Did you think the whole Thai power grab thing was necessary? Yeah. I think so, because there's not enough yeah. adversity in the script. I thought so. 
it, it, it all lends into Cher's like breakdown where she has that epiphany that she loves Josh. See, I feel like it would have made more sense if not, it was not, the redhead not chick, that, not Ty. Right, the red the redhead What's chick that, is her antithesis this whole time. Well, that's what I'm saying. If, like the power struggle had been between her and her, that makes more sense. Because like Ty, she like took her in as soon as she got there. It made no but sense. To I me. think it's an interesting decision because it shows that Amber is just a follower through and through. True. It doesn't matter who's head of the the clan; she's going to follow her. All right, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I dug it. Well, if you're cool with that, then did you think the makeup they had was okay? The weird, like we're watching the sky skate, we're cool now thing. Oh, I thought initially you bring that scene up. That what stood out about that scene to me is that they were at the Queen Mary in Long Beach. <laughs> it's like such a typical Hollywood thing to pretend like L.A. has all these things in like you know a ten mile radius of Beverly Hills. But they went to Long Beach for that skate competition, and it's not even mentioned in the script. Hey, the LBC has really nice areas, <laughs> but it's not L.A. <laughs> No, it's technically part of LA. No, it's its own. LA it's county. its own county. Is it? Mm-hmm. I gotta look Is this it? up now. It's not LA County. Well, then fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> LA till I die. <laughs> I, oh, oh! Look at the backyard at Cher's house. All right, I understand that the Horowitz have a lot of money, but nobody has like Getty art exhibits in their backyard like this. I'm sure there are. But they just don't let anyone know because they would get robbed. Look at all these pieces of art. Come on. <laughs> Because if you I was that rich, I would actually? do it. It what? reminded me of the uh, the backyard to the Adams family uh, <laughs> mansion. Yeah, all it's missing is a maze. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else notice that when she's trying to bed Christian and they're watching Spartacus, which is a great you know tell that he's gay, that they're on her <laughs> father's bed? No, she wanted to have sex no. for the first time on her father's bed. Talk about a daddy's Wait, girl. Ha- How'd you know it was? Well, because we've seen her room, room, and the whole color scheme is wrong for her bedroom. This Maybe isn't her it's bedroom. A guest room, dude. That's a big house. But it's it's a full size bed. You think the guest room has I, a TV I, I, and a full size bed? Yeah, our guest room when I, I was a kid so. had a full I TV. Think so. This I looks like her that. father's I room. I believe that there was a guest room. Why would she pick a random guest room? Like I'm thinking about it. All my family, their houses, guest rooms had full everything. <laughs> I love that part where she falls off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like when she says her feet are cold and he puts the pillow on it. <laughs> he covers him with a pillow. No, I think this is Daddy's bed. Shut the fuck up when Spartacus is playing. Mm. I like that he uses he's getting no. tired and then runs away. Right, he might as well just said I have a headache. <laughs> Look at that. There's even a man's suit. Oh, that's his jacket. No, his his, jacket. his blazer's sitting right there. Yeah, this is a guest room, dude. I don't know. It's a guest room. No one's that crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I th- <laughs> well, if it, if it was her dad's room, that opens up a whole new can of... Well, she's a daddy's one. girl. Fuck that. That's disturbing. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't think she has... She would... She has that in her character to do something like that. Well, this you know, whole, you, this whole scene room. is about a lapse in judgment for her character. You know, she's she's trying to fit in and have sex because it's what everyone else is doing. But then she has the realization that it's not really what her life needs after being rejected because she wanted to have sex with the wrong person. Okay, this is the line I've been waiting for. 
He doesn't say it in the car. It's not while they're driving. No, this, this is this the is... bitches, are you blind line. Oh, yeah. This, are you bitches blind or something? <laughs> yeah. And he goes on that rant about, he's a Dorothy. Yeah, I went, all the crazy lines he comes up with are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And that freeway scene is so hilarious. How terrified they are. And did you notice that they're on an on-ramp the whole time? Yeah. They don't actually make it onto the freeway? Which means it has to be somewhere in Burbank or Glendale. That's the only place I know where it has, like, long... long on-ramps like that. Yeah. That's true. Getting onto the 134, there's a long on-ramp. Yeah. But how slow were they going where everyone was just honking at them like that? 25. Okay, so Cake Boy is the first one. He's disco, a disco dancing. dancing. Oscar, Oscar Wilde reading. Streisand ticket holding friend of Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, other than Streisand, I would have never come with, up with gay <laughs> from any of those. You read Oscar Wilde? I've read Oscar Wilde, yeah. <laughs> I've gone to school. <laughs> Are you a friend of Dorothy? I don't know who Dorothy is. I don't understand how that means you're gay. Who the fuck is Dorothy? The yeah, Wizard of Oz, man. The Wizard of Oz. What is being a friend of Dorothy? So does that mean the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow are gay? No, but um, what's her name became a favorite a gay icon. Uh, the actress that played her. Really? I didn't yeah. Know that. Oh, I never noticed the old lady flicking him oh, off. Oh, what the hell? Did not know. It looks like they're on the 110 to me. It does look like the 110. Which means the speed limit is like 45. So what is going on? Well, traffic doesn't let you go much faster than 45 on the 110 at least. Well, no. The speed limit I think is 50. It's got to be 55 at least. No, it's not 55 because it's too windy. It's the first freeway ever made. And it was made for horse and carriage. What? Yeah, look it up. Why would you make a freeway for horse and carriage? Because the rich people in Pasadena needed to get to work in downtown LA. I don't know about that. The freeways were built in the 50s. No one was riding horse and carriage in the 50s. Look it up, bro. (laughs) I had to take a California history class my first year in high school. And that was one of the funniest things that I remember. Because I was like, no wonder that freeway is so dangerous and there's always crashes. (laughs) I mean, I take it at 70, but that's because I'm crazy. (laughs) There's been a few times where I was going that fast on the wet tin, and I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, this is way too windy. Does anybody know what mall this is? No. Isn't it Glendale? It, it, it looks, no, like it's. the Glendale Galleria? I don't think it's the Glendale Galleria, but it looks like what would be a Westin now or a Westlake. <gasps> that might be the Pasadena Mall. It could be. That got ripped down, and then they put up the new outdoor one. Whoa. Because that mall is starting to look familiar from my childhood. Yeah, they they all kind of have a familiarity to them, though. They're all pretty much Okay, so I know we're rambling now. We're going to wrap this up. But we're at the scene where those two random guys hi, hi, are, hold Ty off the railing. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. That, Does anyone yeah, find that mistake. weird? Like, that's very, I'm a writer and I need some conflict. And that one guy's not even remotely high school age. Yeah, well, he's like a 40-year-old dude <laughs> who's just hanging some high school girl <laughs> off a rally. Like, he should be in jail now. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. All right. You were, well, were going to ask, like, why was added into the script? Well, not just that. Like, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, it was just like they needed conflict, and mm-hmm. that's the best they could come up with? Well, it segues into her, her life and death experience, which makes her the center of attention. Yeah, school. no, again, I get all that. I'm just saying, it. have you ever seen anything like that? Like, no. two random guys randomly pushing a girl over her no. alley in a ball. Short of, of uh, Suge Knight, you know, breaking down someone for royalty money, 
People don't get dangled off of uh, balconies. Or blanket. Don't forget blanket. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if blanket's a Who boy is or this actor with the earring? Do you recognize him, Tack? Because he went on to be in more things. I uh, can't put. I can't even. I can't no, pin his name. All. I don't recognize him. He's it's Dice for, Clay. <laughs> it's Andrew Dice Clay. You don't recognize him, Mike? Do you recognize him? No, but I know he's somebody who became somebody. Yeah, he definitely went out. I was watching movies. this morning and I was like, that guy looks so familiar. Yeah. It also looks nothing like look a high a schooler. Familiar, actually. He looks like Brendan Fraser's drugged out older brother. <laughs> and then we're going to look it up. And it's Brendan Fraser's drugged out older brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hollywood is about nepotism, I'd believe it. Yeah, it's full of nepotism. <laughs> so let's wrap this up. Um, anything anyone wants to say? I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't talk about how satirical this whole film is. I think that's part of its charm. Yeah. It's making fun of LA-isms. It's making fun of teenage stereotypes. I feel like this movie started the LA hate. No, I'm sure that's deep-seated in something that predates this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, this was my first, like, sort of introduction to L.A. lifestyle. And I used to think, this is what all of the Californians must be like <laughs> when, I, when I first saw this movie. That was, I, I, that was one of my earliest. And then 90210 went and solidified the bad stereotypes of the rest of the country for yes, us. Yes, yes, exactly. Those bastards. So I had between I had that and Baywatch, Miss Ke- California's been so misunderstood. LA, exactly. I had this notion that LA was was just a bunch of uh, assholes wandering around. Superficial assholes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll admit there are some parts that are like that. Oh no, it's full of like narcissism. Being on Rodeo Drive makes me sick. This city is full of narcissism for sure, and it's okay. it's very yeah. cosmetic, and everyone here tries to look their best. I text talk yeah. during the scene where she's talking to the maid about her jacket, and I don't think I explained it to you, but it bothered me because, like, I had a maid named Lucy, <laughs> and she was from El Salvador, and she used to get mad when people would say she was Mexican. Yeah, and it comes up in the script. I like that line. I am not a Mexican. Yeah. And like this movie, I was just, like, when I was watching it this morning, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, All of a sudden, it's relatable. That's so insane. <laughs> That's my childhood. That is exactly, yeah, that is your childhood. <laughs> I remember you used to tell me stories about that. So you grew up like Cher Horowitz. No, our house wasn't that big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should I say something else after that? Um, <laughs> Did you have a walk-in closet with a computer to help you pick your outfits? No, no, I didn't care about clothes that much. Did you fall with your steps for your step sibling who was in college while you were sixteen? Didn't have that either. No. Yeah, well, no. you guys have nothing in common. Yeah. I mean, I did have a traumatic freeway experience when I didn't have a license. Like, uh, my dad asked me to drive one of the Jags to the, get its brakes repaired. Oh, one of the Jags. Know. But I didn't... Well, my dad had, like, four Jags when I was a kid. <laughs> but I didn't know Jesus, the brakes were four. bad. And we were on the freeway, and someone cut me off, and I tried to hit the brakes. And I think I was, like, 15 or 16 at the time. Someone cuts me off, and I hit the brakes, but it didn't slow down. Mm-hmm. And I call my dad, and I'm like, 
the brakes aren't working. He goes, yeah, that's what we're going to go take it to get fixed for. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> whoops. Why wouldn't you tell me that beforehand? Also, I don't have a license and I'm a minor. What the fuck, dude? That is pretty terrifying. <laughs> They're sitting in the Jeep right now doing the scene where she's doing the driving test and failing miserably, which reminds me of the opening yeah. scene where she's talking about our greater life is. Did anyone else pick up on the bullshit statement she made about her Jeep having side impact air- airbags? Yeah. That Jeep Wrangler does not have side no, impact airbags. It might. No, it does not. She's I promise you. She's have them at it. <laughs> I promise you. backyard looks like the fucking booth. Jeep didn't put side impact, impact impact airbags into their vehicles till the Liberty was a thing. <laughs> oh, I just looked it up. Liberty came out that year, so. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> In your face. <laughs> She's driving a Wrangler. All right, let's wrap this up. I think we should have a moment of silence for Brittany Murphy. Aw. You had Aww. to go there. It, you have to bring it up. It's like a big part of the anniversary. This is what introduced us to her. It's true. Did she do anything before this? I don't know. Not don't know. not before this, no. So, yeah. So, this was her big break. Yeah. Oh, God. Rear yeah. projection TVs. Those things were so gross. Not when at that time, dude. That was... That was oh, yeah. We thought they were the that poop amazing back then. Back yeah. It was the future. Four by three yeah. aspect ratio. <laughs> so I remember we had, uh, like, I think, I want to say 80 inch rear projection. And I used to be like, this is amazing. But I was never allowed to watch anything <laughs> on it. <laughs> but yeah, rear projection was the shiz. All right. Well, I guess that's it. I think everyone knows that we'd recommend this because you'd be a fool not to like Clueless. So on that note, yeah, especially for those fucking millennials. They, yeah. uh, I feel like they owe it to themselves. Fuck to you assholes that Talk and I are technically part of, but pretend we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to pretend I'm not. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, this this will be a favorite for generations to come, I'm sure. Well, until yeah. the musical comes out and it ruins it like uh, Spider-Man the musical ruins Spider-Man. Oh, man. Well, is that what ruined Spider-Man, really? Is that hey, the musical Spider-Man's came, The musical ruined? came out before Spider-Man 3, and that was the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I blame New York's uh, Broadway. Wait, you... did it actually did, did it actually open before the third film came out? Yep. Oh, okay. Remember all those, like, Sight? all those guys died and shit? <laughs> that was, like, the worst show ever. The worst production, yeah. That's still running. Uh, you can go see it on Broadway. Is it? Most nights at 7 p.m. Go check it out, guys. All right. We'll talk nah. to you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Peace out, guys.